Good morning, Four Oaks Church. Pastor Paul here. It is a Friday, February 9th. Weekend is upon us. So glad that you have joined us. We are finishing up, and that's kind of a misnomer. That's not exactly true. We're, we're continuing on a passage that we were supposed to complete this week, but have decided to kind of divide that passage in half and preach half of it this Sunday and half of it the following Sunday, simply because it might be one of the most debated texts in all of Scripture, um, maybe the, probably the New Testament, and it just deserves more attention than one Sunday. So we're going to be in Matthew 16, and let me read the whole passage. And like I said, we're, we're covering the first part of this this week, and then next week the second part. So let me read Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ." At the beginning um, of these devos this week, I, I mentioned to you that there were sort of five pressing questions that I think um, push themselves forward that we need to understand in order to properly interpret this. And, and one of those just relates to this whole idea of um, Caesarea Philippi, what, why there, what's happening, what's the context of this. Um, Secondly, why are all these people um, uh, speculating that Jesus is this and this and this and this? What, well, where's that coming from? What, why are they saying that? What, why these names? The third thing I said is important that we understand this profession of Simon Peter's. What, what exactly um, is this profession getting at? How, how is it a culmination of everything that we've, that we've seen before? Fourthly, I said we want to understand um, the relationship of the word Peter, Petros, and rock. It's the same word, just different variations. And how are we to understand that in terms of uh, what Roman Catholics would say about the primacy of the Pope and the papacy and the succession of Peter and apostolic succession and all those things? And then how as Protestants, how would we, how would we read this? And then finally... Um, these are some pretty provocative statements. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What, what is that getting at? All right. So, so we, we've marched through the first two questions. Um, actually, we, we've marched through the first three questions. And next week, we're going to talk about Peter and the church. We're going to talk about binding and loosing, the authority of the church, the mission of the church, etc. But today, I want to focus on this last statement here in verse 17, because it's sort of the bridge between 
the two things happening in this text between this confession on one hand of Peter's, which we looked at yesterday, and then secondly, this promise to build the church of Jesus Christ. All right. So, so, so it, it, it's a, it's an important statement. All right. And Peter's just made his profession. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. It's the most explicit confession uh, of Jesus's true identity that we've seen yet um, in Matthew's gospel. And then upon saying that, then Jesus offers this blessing. Okay. Remember Makarios, blessed. And we saw those in the, in the Beatitudes, right? The Sermon on the Mount. But he says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, or son of Jonah. Okay. Um, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now, as my friend Peter Paris um, noted about this passage to me as we were discussing it, and I had not seen this before, there is a, there's a contrast between the two fathers of Peter here, okay? There's the natural father, okay, which is Simon Barjona, his biological father, and it's his, there's his earthly father, I mean, heavenly father, which is Jesus, God the Father. And Jesus is sim- seems to be saying, Simon Peter, your father, or flesh and blood, did not reveal this to you, this my identity, but it's my Father in heaven who has revealed this to you. In other words, it's not a natural understanding, it's a supernatural one. It's not something that you've come up on your own. You didn't wake up one morning and say, wow, I know who Jesus is. No, it's actually something that has been born witness to you from the Father about Jesus, okay? And that's a major statement, right? This is a major declaration of God's sovereignty, of election, of predestination, of God's sovereign initiative and salvation. And it couldn't be any more clear. Simon, you didn't come up with this on your own. I revealed it to you, or my father revealed it to you. Now, what we want to ask is, is this kind of a one-off thing, this idea of God's sovereignty and salvation, or is this a recurrent theme that we see without scripture? So I want to look at what, a few other passages briefly that I think testify to the same thing, and let me tell you why I think it's relevant to what Jesus is saying here. So again, if you have a study Bible or a tablet like I do, and you want to click on references related to flesh and blood, you're going to find a number of verses, okay, that that get at this idea that it's not natural man that understands the things of God, it is spiritual man. So let's read a couple of passages, okay? You can flip over to these as we talk. 1 Corinthians 15, 50. This is Paul speaking. He says, for I tell you, brothers, this, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. And it seems that what, what, um, what, what is being said here, of course, by Paul is that flesh and blood, natural man, 
sinful man, separated from God, enmity from God, with God, can't inherit the kingdom of God, right? Darkness cannot commingle with light. Sin cannot commingle um, with holiness, all right? So that, that seems to be um, one piece of testimony outside of what we're currently looking at that testifies to this idea of God's sovereignty. Let, let's look at a couple of others, okay? 1 Corinthians 15, 20. Um, Galatians 1, 16, okay? This is Paul talking now still. Verse 15 of Galatians 1, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Now that's, I mean, Paul's testimony, is it not a powerful testimony of God's sovereign grace, right? Someone who was at enmity with God, who was hostile to God, who was opposed to the things of Christ, God supernaturally, sovereignly flattened him on his face and opened the eyes of his heart to see who he was, Jesus. Paul's testimony is a living embodiment of this idea of God's sovereignty. All right, now turn over to John chapter 3. Okay? This is another passage which speaks this idea of flesh and blood versus the spirit. Jesus answered, and this is John 3, 5, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Okay, so what, what do all these texts and, and there are many others like them, okay? Well, in fact, if, if we're going to do this, let, 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 let's just look at just one or, one or two more, okay? Turn over to Acts, I think it's 21. Let's see here. Um, pulling up my reference here. Um, Bible drill, I'm live on TV. Here we go. All right, so... Um, Goodness, goodness, I, I'm, I'm, of course, not finding it now that I'm on live TV. Um, look at um, Acts 22.10. Turn over to Acts 22.10. The verse I'm looking for, and I, and I just can't, I can't remember exactly where an Acts was, is that as many as were appointed to eternal life believed, okay? Um, and, and again, it was um, Acts 13.48, that's what it is. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many were, as were appointed to eternal life, believed. Okay. And one final verse, John 6, 44. And then we're going to talk about why this matters. John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. So these are just a sampling of verses that I think um, correspond to and reinforce what Jesus is saying here, that Simon, you did not discover spiritual truth on your own um, because flesh can't give birth to flesh. It can only give birth to flesh. It was my Father who has chosen to reveal it to you. Now, 
Why is this important, okay? I think it's important um, on a couple of levels. Number one, let's talk about the context. At this point in time, um, Jesus is heading to Jerusalem, and his band of followers is small indeed, right? Probably the disciples are, um, are, are secretly disappointed in the, the rapidity and the slowness of Jesus's ministry and him not doing what they think a Messiah should do. And if you're reading this gospel, you might be thinking the same thing. But when you read this passage, what you realize is that none of this is outside of God's timing, God's plan, God's sovereignty. It's God who chooses to awaken sinful hearts. It's God who appoints to eternal life to believe. It's God who reveals his truth to his people in his time. That, that's one implication. A second implication is this, that when we get to this part next week about Jesus building his church, okay, um, nothing could be uh, a more important theological idea in our cultural time than to remember who it is that builds the church. If we think we build the church, okay, apart from God, then this can lead, can lead to a, a whole host of, of uh, a sets of mischief, so to speak, that we might play with ministry, pragmatic things, things that we think will persuade people or draw people in, or and ultimately what we win people with is what we win them to, right? So if we think we have to entertain, do a dog and pony show, bribe people to show up, then of course, that's what they're gonna be drawn to. But rather, if it's a matter of simply us being faithful to the things God has called us to, and recognizing that it's him who must reveal himself to sinners, then that changes the whole equation, right? Then we realize, number one, the church is not ours, it's Jesus's. Number two, we don't build the church, um, Jesus builds the church. It's our job simply to do what he asks us to do, and he uses us um, in our imperfections to, to accomplish his will. And so this idea of Jesus emphasizing to Simon Peter the sovereignty of God and salvation is not, is not to, to, so that we can sit here over coffee and debate it. It's not that we can have a, a philosophical society and pick this idea apart about God's sovereignty and man's responsibility and God's will and free will and all those sorts of things, okay? Those are questions we bring to the text. That's not what Jesus is interested in here, right? There's no debate that's happening. We in our own selves have to understand that if we have a knowledge of the truth, if we've become convinced of the confession that Peter articulates here on behalf of the apostles, that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, we don't have our ingenuity and wisdom to thank for that. We thank the sheer grace of God. Because if it was up to us, flesh gives flesh to flesh. But instead, God's spirit gives birth to spiritual life. And that's gonna be a super important concept as the days become increasingly darker um, in Matthew's gospel and in our, in our own lives, right? That we have to have something that we can, uh, a, a place to, to plant our flag, some, some place to put our stake in the ground and say, this is what I'm certain of. God is in control 
He is sovereign. He will build his church. It's my job simply to be faithful and to trust him. All right. So that's where we'll pick back up next week, Monday. Hope to see you then. Lord, um, let us simply let go and entrust ourselves to your goodness as we see in your word, that you are sovereign, that you are faithful, that apart from you and our natural selves, we're blinded, we're hard-hearted. But because of your grace uh, and mercy, you reveal yourself to us, Lord. We take great confidence in that, not only for ourselves, but for others, for the church, for people we've been praying for. Lord, we lift them up to you. May to you be all the honor and glory. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks, everybody. See you Monday.